Salvation doesn't happen without a Savior, and powerless people can only be helped when power shows up. This message is the fourth in the series, I Will Not Settle. The message is entitled, Finding the Help You Need. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, if you will, and your teaching sheets for the weekend as we get ready to dive in toward, to this weekend's message. And uh, we're going to talk this weekend about finding the help that you need. And we're in this series entitled, I Will Not Settle. And we're going to focus in on exactly finding the source of power for your life and uh, how Jesus makes that available for us. Plans are very important. Making plans are important to all of us. They actually create a pathway for life. And if you don't have any plans, you end up living an unfocused life. And the best plan that you can ever experience in life is the plan of God. You can never plan your life better than God can plan it. He's the all-wise God. He knows what you need. He knows how to help you along the journey and what you don't need in life as well. And so God is the great planner. And our life works best whenever we're living in sync with the plans of God. Because God plans you, as we're talking about in this series, for a more life, not a less life. God's design for you is that you would have more. Not so much more when it comes to the physical or material realms of life, but a more fulfilling life, a life that is filled with more peace and more love and more joy and more of all the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants you to have a full life. Amen? And what you and I have to understand is that if we're going to experience this fullness of, of life that Jesus planned for us, we have to cooperate with him. We have to make some decisions along the way. It doesn't just happen. You have to choose to line your will up with the will of God. That's why Jesus taught us to pray that uh, his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth, which obviously includes us as it is in heaven. And so we must choose to line our lives, align our lives with the will and plan of God. And that involves key and critical choices. And one of those key critical choices as we're looking at is the choice to say, I will not settle for less. God made me for more. Would you say that again with me tonight? I will not settle for less. God made me for more. That's the beginning point on a journey to embracing all of God's plan for your life. Because you can't experience God's plan if you're willing to settle for less. And so you have to say, in my life, I am not going to settle for less because God created me and made me for more. Now, when, when it comes to settling for less or experiencing more, the problem is we might say, I want more, but sometimes even in saying we want more, we have a little edge to us, maybe a little experiential background or an experience in our life, even in present, that says, I want more, but I'm not sure I can really have it. Because, you know, I, I've failed a lot of times, and I've got some failures in my life right now. I'm not really the person I really want to be. And so while I want more, maybe I'm kind of disqualified for more because of just who I am. And I can't seem to conquer some things in my life. You don't need to raise your hand on this, but how many of you have had experiences in your life where you had a habit or something that you knew was not, doing, not serving you well, something you knew you'd like to get rid of, but you just could not lick that thing. You could not conquer it. It was still hassling you and troubling you. And you knew, knew there was more, but this very thing in your life was holding you back for more. And you wonder, how will I ever get over it? 
Well, the Apostle Paul had this experience in his own life. And let me read this uh, for you in Romans chapter 7. And it's going to lead me really to what I really want to focus on uh, this weekend and next weekend as well. The whole idea of finding the help that you need. Notice what Paul writes in Romans 7, 15 through 23. And see if you can identify with these words. I'm going to read from today's Living Bible. Paul writes and says, I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to do, want to, what I hate. I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong, and my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws. I'm breaking, talking about the laws of God. But I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. It's sin inside me that is stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. I know I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Anybody say, well, I've been there before, right? Now, if I'm doing what I don't want to, it is plain where the trouble is. Sin still has me in its evil grasp. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, that is, my new life in Christ. But there is something else deep within me in my lower nature that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. So you see how, how it is? My new life tells me to do right, but the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. Oh, what a terrible predicament I'm in. Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly lower nature? And then I want you to see how he concludes this passage. Why don't you read it together with me? Thank God it has been done by Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set me free. Listen to that again. Paul says, thank God. It has been done, has been done by Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set me free. Paul talks about this less life that he had, struggling with his sinful nature. And he knew that there was more, but his sinful nature was holding him back from more. And he longed for more, and he did not want to settle for less. He wanted the more, but he could not find the power within himself to actually move from less to more. And that's a predicament, a situation, a dilemma that we all find ourselves in. Because the reality is, is that you and I don't have the power to move from less to more. The only way that you and I will ever have the power for the more life that Jesus planned for us is by actually embracing Jesus himself and allowing Jesus to become our power source. That's what I want you to see tonight. That you don't have to do it yourself. This is not something, in fact, that you sort of pull up your bootstraps and say, I'm going to move from the less life to the more life. No, you can't do it. There's an evil nature in you that will hold you down. But the good news is that Jesus Christ, by his power on the cross, dying on the cross for our sins, by rising again victoriously from death, hell, and the grave, and conquering death, hell, and the grave, and by sending the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, we now have a conqueror. We have a liberator. We have a savior. We have one who is alive and powerful living in us. So it's not you that will do it. It is Christ in you that will do it. And so it's the power of Jesus that allows you to move from less to more. Let me see if I can illustrate it this way. Let's say that you were in prison and uh, you were behind iron bars 
and you wanted desperately to get out, but the only tool that you had was a toothbrush. And you looked at the iron bars and you looked at your toothbrush and said, you know what, I'd love to cut through these iron bars, but the, the toothbrush is not going to do it. Would you agree, right? A toothbrush is never going to cut through iron bars. And so you, you're going to be stuck there. That's the only tool you have. And in your hand is a very powerless tool against your circumstance. Nothing you can do that will get you out. But let's say that someone comes along with the right set of tools, maybe a particular kind of torch or a, a particular kind of explosive that can uh, properly deal with the iron bars and can open them up, and they actually apply that tool into that situation when you could not do it yourself. There is a liberator that comes and, and parts the bars for you, and that's the picture that I want you to see of Jesus, that Jesus says, I have come for you, and to you have the little toothbrush, but I have the C4 explosive. Amen? Okay. You have the little toothbrush, but I have the acetylene torch that I can cut through, and I've delivered you. I've already done this on the cross and through the resurrection. This victory is available to you. And that's what Paul realized in Romans chapter 7. He said, I'm living down in this lower nature, and I've got my little toothbrush trying to fight sin. And I can't conquer sin with my little toothbrush, but thanks be to God that Jesus Christ has already done this for me. And then he makes this last statement, Jesus has set me free. Not will set me free. He has set me free. That's very important theology. It's theology that, re that represents the fact that our victory is not in what we do. Our victory is in what Christ does. You don't save yourself. Jesus saves you. Amen? Now, you have to cooperate with them. We're going to talk about that. But the reality is, is that you don't, you, you're not your own savior. I can't be my own savior. I cannot be my own liberator. I cannot be my own emancipator. I need someone that is far more powerful than me, who has demonstrated power over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And Jesus is that one who has accomplished that on my behalf and on your behalf. And because of that, I am no longer powerless I can move from less to more, not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus has done for me. And what I want to help you to realize in tonight's message, and I'm going to actually, on your notes, you will see six points. I believe they're on your notes there. I'm only going to cover three of those. And so uh, just to kind of ignore the other three, we'll come back to them. I started studying uh, this week, uh, these six, and I thought, I'm just going to kind of break them apart. Uh, we, you know, it's better just to take time and make sure we get it. Amen. Don't, we're not going to rush through these six things. But I want to help you tonight that whatever you're in, in these three areas, and we'll look at three more next weekend, that I want to give you hope that Jesus has come to help you in these three dimensions of your life tonight. Okay? Number one, Jesus helps people who are lost. He's the Savior to people who are lost. Okay? So if you're in a prison and you're lost, if you will, Jesus has come to save you. He's come to help you. When Jesus came to earth, he came with a mission, and he was, very, he was very clear about his mission. His mission is described in Luke chapter 19, verse number 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. 
Jesus said, the whole reason I came was to seek and save people who are lost. Now, let's talk about what it means to be lost for a moment and see if you can identify with this in your own life. To to being lost means that you you don't know where you are or you don't know how to get to where you need to be. That's what it means to be lost. You You don't know where you are, don't know how to get to where you need to be. You're unable to find your way. Maybe you've gone astray. You've missed the way, missed the mark. You're bewildered in the process, don't know how to find the right direction in your life, and you feel defeated. That's what it means to be lost. And Jesus said, I came to save people who don't know how to get where they need to be. They're in a circumstance of life where they're bewildered by life that's happening around them. They've gone astray. They've missed the way. They are defeated and distracted and distraught and desperate and hopeless. But Jesus said, I came to help people just like that. I came to help people who are lost. Actually, the Greek word that Jesus uses there in Luke 19, verse 10, means useless or ruined. People who are ruining their lives because they're just wandering about in lostness. Now, when you're lost, dear ones, if you haven't noticed it, when you're lost, you're powerless. That's what it means to be lost. When you're lost, you don't know where you are. You don't know, do I turn right or do I turn left? Do I go straight? Do I turn around? That's what it means to be lost. You don't know where you are. Ever been lost in the woods somewhere or lost in a major city that you were traveling in that you had no idea where to turn and you were afraid to turn one direction or the other because you were concerned it was only going to make matters worse? You were powerless to fix the situation at all. And that means you have to find someone that can speak into your lostness, that can bring objectivity to your lostness and give you directions. In today's world, it might be your iPhone or you tap into the maps or the Google, Google uh, maps and say, you know, tell me where I am and give me some direction. And the little lady in the computer says, turn right or turn left or rerouting, which is what I hear quite often, okay? Uh, Or in the old days, you would have to consult a map or you'd have to pull into a a gasoline station and go in and ask for directions or pull up and find someone that could assist you along the way. But what I want you to see is that when you're lost, you are powerless to get out of your lostness without someone or something intervening in your life in some way. And that's what Jesus came to do. And a lost life, I think he would agree with me, is a less life. A lost life is a less life. And God's plan for you is to get you out of your lostness. He wants to do that for you. And a great example of this is found in the gospel account, the story of a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Let me read this story for you. We'll talk about it a little bit and then move on to the other two points this weekend. Luke 19 verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. And he'd become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And then this is where you find the verse we read a moment ago, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are 
lost. So that, that verse happens in the context of Jesus ministering to this man by the name of Zacchaeus. Let me tell you the, the Zacchaeus story just for a moment, then we'll see how it applies to you. Zacchaeus was a Jewish man living in Israel at the time of Jesus' ministry. And as a Jewish man, he, he, he was employed by Rome. And so he lived and was Jewish in nature, lived that environment, that culture, but he served, his job was for the Romans who occupied that territory. And he was a tax collector for them. And the way that worked back in those days is that you, if you were a tax collector for Rome, you would contract with Rome to collect a certain amount of taxes and present it to them every year, sort of a quota that you had to provide for them. And then anything you could collect above and beyond that, it went in your own pocket, okay? And so Zacchaeus was very shrewd, and he was also very, very mischievous, very, very, very wicked in the way he went about things. And so he would overcharge his brethren on their taxes for his own benefit. And so he's making himself wealthy at the expense of his brothers and sisters, his own family, if you will, his own culture. And of course, because of that, he was despised. He was, he was, a, he was a man who had violated the love your neighbor as yourself severely, okay? Right? And so here's Jesus in Jericho one day, and, Nick, and, and Zac, Zacchaeus was not well-liked, and Zacchaeus was not sure that... Jesus would want to see him, but he did want to see Jesus, and he was a short guy, and so he says, the only way I'm going to see him, I'm going to go with this tree, I'm going to hide in the tree so that I can see Jesus, I don't really want him to see me because I know how bad I am, but I do want to see him because I've heard a lot about him, and so he climbs the tree, and Jesus comes along the streets, and the picture would have been perhaps there were lots of folks around. And Jesus stops at the very tree where a lost person was. Isn't that amazing to think? That Jesus knew the guy in that whole crowd that was trying to hide from him. You can't hide from God, can you? Okay? He knows exactly where you are. You climb a tree, he knows your tree. Okay? You get behind the bush, he knows exactly where you are. And so he stops there. And this startles Zacchaeus first that the Lord stops, but it doesn't. But he, he goes further. He actually calls him by name. He'd never been introduced to him before. And so now, obviously, this guy knows me. How does he know me? And then Jesus says, by the way, I want to go to your house today. Here's what I want you to see. Here's a lost man having an encounter with Jesus who wants to free him from his lostness, but he still has to make a decision, doesn't he? What's the decision? Jesus has invited himself to Zacchaeus' home, but Zacchaeus has, will either say yes or no. You can come or no, you can't. Zacchaeus wisely in that moment said, yes, Lord, come to my house. Now, the religious folks didn't like it because they thought, why is he going to be with a guy like this? But the, let me tell you something. Jesus searches out people who are lost. Okay? Jesus loves lost people. Isn't that great to know? He loves lost people. If you're saved, that means one day you were lost, okay? And aren't you glad that Jesus found you in your tree, okay? And maybe you're still in a tree in some ways. Maybe there are things in your life you're still hiding from God and you still feel lost and you, you can be a Christian and still have lost dimensions of your life that need to be redeemed, but Jesus knows right where you are, but you still have to make the decision. Jesus, come to my house. Jesus, I welcome you to my house. And there was an encounter that Zacchaeus had with Jesus that day. His life was changed. We know it was changed because he said, I'm going to pay back everybody I've stolen from four times the amount that I've stolen 
stolen them from. I know I've got to make things right. And so Jesus said, yep, salvation has come to this house today. And the Son of Man came to seek and save people who are lost. Remember this, Jesus helps people who are lost. Number two, Jesus helps people who are in bondage. Jesus cares for and helps people who are bound up. To be bound means that you're tied up, you're prevented from moving, from escaping. It's to confine or restrain or restrict. It's to have a life that's been hampered or chained or fettered or shackled in some way. That when you're bound, you are a captive. And Jesus, all throughout his ministry, demonstrated his power to help people who are bound find a more life. They come out of a less life to a more life. Let's look at a couple of these stories. First of all, in Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 12. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years. Think about that, for 18 years, and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness or of your infirmity. Look at verse 16. This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? So Jesus did this on a Sabbath. Some religious folks were upset that he'd done it on a Sabbath. But Jesus said, all I did today was find a person who was living in bondage, the bondage of Satan, and I've released her. Let's look at her story just for a moment and let's see how it applies to you and your life. The Bible describes this woman with one word. She was bound. She'd been bound by Satan. Okay, she was bound. And the binding was was the result. We don't know for sure of how it happened, but it it was ascribed to Satan himself, that Satan had bound up her life. And she had lived this way for how many years? For 18 years. For 18 years, she had been chained. She'd been restricted. She'd been shackled. She had been hampered by the devil. The Bible says for those 18 years, she was crippled by the adversary. And this bondage in her life was so strong that it actually bent, it caused her to be bent over. It doubled her over so that she lived face down rather than living face up. Folks, I will tell you something. That's a terrible way to live. If you're always living face down and you're, ne- your face, you're, you're never able to lift your face up, that's a problem. And so for 18 years, we don't know the reason, the cause, the genesis of this, but for 18 years she lived this way. And there was nothing she could do to set herself free. She was powerless to change her situation. But one day, Jesus showed up in her world. Isn't that great to know? And when Jesus showed up in her world, Jesus changed everything. His power did for her what she could not do for herself. And all it took was one sentence from Jesus and everything changed. All Jesus said to her was, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. One sentence changed everything in her life. And from that day forward, she went from less to more. Why? Not because she had done it herself, right? Did she free herself? Absolutely not. 
Did Zacchaeus free himself from lostness? No, Jesus intervened in his life. He came to Zacchaeus in this same situation. Jesus comes to the environment where this lady is, and she's all bound up, but Jesus intervenes in her life and gives her this wonderful moment and opportunity for freedom. And what I want you to see today is that Jesus shows up in your world, and with one little sentence, if you'll hear that sentence that Jesus speaks into your life like he did for her, woman, you're set free from your infirmity, but I believe that right here this night, in this place that you can hear Jesus speaking into your soul, you are set free. Your chains are broken. Your shackles are coming off. You're being loosed. I'm breaking your prison door even in this moment. One little word, one little, one little moment with Jesus transforms everything. But you have to respond to that with faith. You have to say, well, I accept that. I believe that. So you can be a believer in Jesus and still be bound I've met lots of Christians who knew Jesus, but they were still all bound up. They hadn't seen their chains broken. And there's a great example of this in Lazarus. You remember the story of, of Jesus' friend Lazarus who had gotten sick in John chapter 11, and then he died, and then Jesus comes to the scene, and he goes to the tomb, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And you remember the story how Lazarus, how they rolled back the stone, and Lazarus, he spoke, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus comes up out of that tomb after being dead for four days, not just dead, but also decaying. I love that part of the story that Jesus can not only resurrect you from death, he can resurrect you from decay. And so he's been decaying in that tomb for four days. I mean, he, he, he was stinking, the Bible says. It was not a pleasant odor when they rolled back the tomb, but Jesus was not intimidated by the death or by the decay. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. But I want you to see something in Luke, John chapter 11, verse 44. And, uh, and he who had died, listen to this, he who had died came out. How did he come out? What's the word say there? He came out how? Was he alive? Come on, church, help me. Was he alive? He was alive, but he was also what? Bound. You got to see that. He was alive, but he was also bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Don't you love that part of the passage, okay? Jesus said he can't live like that. He can't have the more life if he's like that. It's not just a matter of having life in you. Get the grave clothes off of you so that you can go free. Jesus takes us from a less life to a more life by freeing us from bondage as we cooperate with him. Number three, third point. Jesus helps people who are sick. Jesus is a healer. I want to declare that again. Jesus is a healer. Okay? By his stripes, the scripture says, we were healed. Okay? I want to declare it in the face of sickness tonight, Jesus is the healer, okay? I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it again because I want it to come deeply into your heart. I want to declare it in the face of sickness, Jesus is the healer, okay? I'll, I'll, I prove it to you in the fact that in heaven there is no sickness, okay? Why? Because the healer has his perfect will there, okay? And Jesus not only heals in heaven, but he heals here on earth. He is the one who heals the sick. He heals the sick. To be sick means to be lacking health, to be lacking strength or vitality, to lack energy. It means to be affected with a disease, an illness or dysfunction. Let me read that again. To be sick. What does it mean to be sick? It means to be lacking health, 
lacking strength, lacking vitality, and lacking energy. It means to be affected with a disease or an illness or a dysfunction. So you're sick when you're affected with a disease, an illness, a dysfunction. And all through the ministry of Jesus, you see him over and over and over again healing people who are sick. There are dozens of stories in the gospel accounts of Jesus' healing power and Jesus' healing grace. I want us to look at just one of those stories tonight as we'll wrap up this part of this series. Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 35. This perhaps will be one of the most significant stories that you will ever read about a person moving from less to more by a choice I will not settle. Let's read the story. As Jesus approached Jericho, so we're back in Jericho again, just like we were with Zacchaeus, so this is a miracle that happens in that same city. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. So, would you agree that a blind beggar, this is sickness, correct? Because again, what is sickness? It means to be affected with a disease, illness, or dysfunction. So did this man have a disease, illness, or dysfunction? Yes, he's sick. Okay, he's got a dysfunction. He can't see. When he, that's the blind man that was there, when he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. And so here he sees, he hears that Jesus is coming by. He wants to catch his attention. So he cries out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He takes the initiative now in the presence of Jesus to reach out. We might say that he is praying a prayer, okay? He's verbalizing his need. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Notice verse 39, be quiet. The people in front yelled at him. There's always people trying to steal your faith, right? Always people trying to tell you what God won't do in your life, okay? Trying to tell you how God can't do something in your life. There's people, there were people around this guy saying, be quiet. He doesn't care about you. Be quiet. The people in front yelled. I love this part. But he only shouted louder. (laughs) Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. Let me tell you something. Jesus will stop at the cry of a sick person who needs his attention. Okay, You get his attention. So the Bible says that Jesus stopped and ordered that man to be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, obviously, Jesus already knew the answer to this question, but he's getting this man to verbalize his need. He's getting this man to acknowledge what he's looking for in his life. What do you want? I want you to tell me how you want to move from less to more. What is it that you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight your faith has healed you instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus praising God and all who saw it praised God too here's this man by a roadside in the city of Jericho he heard that Jesus was passing by and it was a deep desire in this man's heart to say I I want to move from less to more I will not settle for less God made me for more I'm not going to settle for this sickness because God made me for health. Amen? I'm not going to settle for my lostness. God made me to be found. I'm not going to settle for bondage. 
God made me to be free. You got me here, okay? I will, let me go over it again. I will not settle for being lost because there's a Savior that wants to save me and find me, okay? I will not settle. Are you tracking with me now in this message? I will not settle for being bound because there's a, there's a liberator that wants me to be free. And I will not settle for sickness because there's a, there's a healer that wants me to be whole, okay? There's a healer that wants me to be whole. And so he, he cries out. And there was nothing he could do for himself. Again, all three of these stories or four of these stories we've looked at tonight are individuals that could not do anything for themselves. They were powerless. If you're, if you're blind, you can't unblind yourself. You, you, it, it takes intervention again. And so here's this moment that he cries out to Jesus and he gets his attention. And in this moment with intensity and passion, he experiences this transforming moment in his life. And the result was total healing. Jesus did for this man what he could not do for himself. And all I want you to see tonight is we're looking at this I will not settle series and this less to more is that if we're going to move from less to more, it's not something that you or I can do for ourselves. Amen? You can't do it for you. You can't just rise up tomorrow morning or tonight and say, I'm just going to do this thing. You don't have the power. Like Paul said, there's this thing in me that I can't conquer myself. I want to do right, end up doing wrong. I try to not do wrong, end up doing it anyway. Because I, but I found that there's someone who can give me the power to do what I could not do on my own. Zacchaeus found someone who could give him the power to move from lostness to foundness to salvation. The lady who had been bound for 18 years found someone who could lift her out of her bondage. And after 18 years of her head being down, for the first day in her life in 18 years, finally her eyes were looking up again. Okay? To a Lazarus who comes out of the tomb with newness of life but still bound up, he found a Savior who gave instructions that allowed him to get out of his grave clothes. By the way, that's, why, that's what that's all about. That's why you need to be in church because every time you come to church, you're getting a little more instruction that takes some more of your grave clothes off, okay? You didn't know that, did you, okay? All we do every weekend is just pull grave clothes off of folks, okay? Take a, just another, unwrap this part a little bit there. That's what preaching and teaching does. That's what reading the Bible does. It begins to take your grave clothes off. It does for you what you can't do for yourself. And you experience something very much like this man experienced, that when you can't see what you need to see, and you're limited and powerless to open up your own eyes, Jesus can come and do it for you. He's the one that is committed to helping you to move from less to more. I will not settle for less. God made me for more. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We're so grateful for the opportunity that we've had to study. And I pray you'll take this message and let it build faith in our hearts. I pray that each one of us tonight would realize that you're the one that has done the work for us. It's not our works that accomplish anything. It's simply our faith in you and what you've already done. And I pray for those that feel lost tonight. I pray that they would look up and see the Savior, even as Zacchaeus did. I pray for those that are bound, that they would hear the word of the Lord to them tonight, even as this woman in the synagogue did. I pray, Lord, for those who are like Lazarus, who are alive inside, but still bound up in certain ways, that they would begin to see the grave clothes coming off. And the ones like this blind man, Lord, who was by the roadside wanting more, but not being able to do it himself. 
God, I thank you that you bring us the power through the name that is above every name. The name that is exalted above every single name. Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. We declare it over every person here in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.